Hello, strangers. Hi, Mike. Hey, what's going on? Life. Life. Mm-hmm. Life, life. life. We are officially officially post-Labor Day now. Are you still Summer wearing white? I, I don't pay attention to that. <laughs> I, wear, I wear white every day. I don't even every know day. what that means. I don't even know what that means. What does that I mean? I don't either. I don't either. No, I have no idea. Maybe it's because like during the summer, you're more tan. So if you wear white, it like looks better on you versus winter, you're pasty. But, but that only applies that to up. a small maybe portion you just made of the that population. Up. But why do, why do people say that? Why is that? Why are there fashion rules? I don't know. I'm I don't sorry. Know. I think that's sorry. That, I brought I it think up. That's, I think that's stupid. You have a very Fires colorful shirt on tonight. This is what I sleep in. Really? Mm-hmm. I sleep in the buff. I hate Do clothes you? while I sleep. I don't like clothes while I sleep. And honestly, I normally like if it starts like to like, touch my neck and stuff, I end up with night terrors. Really? Mm-hmm. I, like my whole life. Yeah. Wow. So no, I don't like I don't like things touching me while I sleep. It freaks me out and ends up. That, that sounds like you have a sensory processing problem. Oh, ooh, diagnose me. Do it. Uh, that's you need to see an occupational therapist. Yeah, that's a lot of money. I'm sure. Could be. All right. All right. So tonight, listeners, we had on Chris Badra, and she is a podcaster who is originally from India, but now lives in Melbourne, which I got that wrong. Um, And we spoke about female sexuality. Mm. And really, we we started to take a deeper dive, but but it's getting late. Um, But it was no, it was a really good conversation. She was a wonderful guest. She has a lot of really strong, positive opinions about female sexuality and how it should not be prosecuted criminalized and it should be celebrated which i'm all here for so is mike he has his own female sexuality isn't that right friend that's right that's right (laughs) i am here for it i'm all about it all about equality all about all these things well there we go all right uh (laughs) listeners please enjoy our episode what are we seven episode seven female sexuality with chris badra Tall Gal Media presents Two Strangers and a Podcast. Strangers! Hello, strangers. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing, you know, all right. We talked about student loans. That's fine. And then we talked about my favorite cheese. So I think maybe actually I'm doing a little better. Yeah, it was a very uh, interesting kind of cheese. It sounds like 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 an orange brick, the way you described it. No, it's an orange. Uh, so, it's like an orange gelatin can. Orange gelatin can. Okay, mm-hmm. not not the cheeses I'm used to, but hey, these are the types of conversations that strangers have, and that this is, is why true. we have strangers listening because we are strangers ourselves, and it's all about strangers. There we go. Uh, so, uh, stranger listeners, we have a new stranger guest on tonight, whom I found again on Facebook, uh, slid into her DMs. And we've been trying to arrange meeting with her for a while. But fun fact, she is not in the U.S. Uh, She is, in fact, in India, which made it a little more challenging to arrange a time and date to talk. Um, But without further ado, I would love to introduce to you Chris Badra. And tonight we are going to be talking about one of my favorite topics, female sexuality. Uh, Chris, please introduce yourself to our strange listeners. Uh, give us an idea of who you are, what you do, and, and we'll take it from there. 
First of all, let me thank you, Jess and Mike, for having me on your podcast. That's a huge honor. Uh, I'm Chris Padra. I am basically from India, but I've been in Melbourne, Australia for the last eight years. Oh, okay. I'm totally wrong then. She's in Australia, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) So I came here for my PhD. I graduated in 2017. After that, I've been involved in post-research work. On on a non-academic side of things, I am a trained Indian dancer. And I'm a blogger, and I've recently I've started podcasting. So I'm the founder and host of two podcasts. One is Coconut Chats, uh, which where we talk about those all those topics which are not discussed in South Asian and a brown community. And the other is um, Bengal, because my mother tongue is Bengali, so that is more catering to NRIs who miss out their roots. So that is me in a nutshell. And off later, I've taken up amateur photography. Try my hands, but not sure how, how good the photos turn up. That's me. I mean, I think. I'm also an amateur photography and, you know, it's, it's going right. Like it's going. Um, so what brought you to Australia? Was it, was it research? It was, I got a fully funded scholarship to pursue my PhD from one of the universities in Melbourne. And that's what brought me on. And ever since I've just loved it, it's been a second home now. No complaints. I lived in Australia for about a year five years ago now. I actually lived about an hour southwest of Melbourne in Geelong, if you've ever heard of it. Yeah, yes. It's a beautiful place. Yes, I was yep. also in Australia. Do we know this about each other? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I studied abroad in Australia for an entire semester of college. I was there for about five months. Oh. I lived in, uh, I lived close to uh, a little town called Robina. Uh, so I went to Bond University and uh, it was like fairly close to like Brisbane on the by Surfers Paradise. Okay, that I did not know that about you. Look at look, look at, at us uh-huh. making stranger connections tonight. Um, yeah, thank you again, Chris, so much for joining us. Um, I have been following uh, your Facebook page. Um, I noticed today you had a really an interest in, in bleh, an episode that has piqued my interest. Um, that you have India's first influencer with Down syndrome on. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? I mean, it's not related to the topic at all tonight, but I think that's incredibly interesting. How did you come across that? I have someone in my family who was affected, who is affected by Down syndrome. And I've seen that person always being on the brink of judgment to the point that people have said, you know what, Down syndrome patients do not have life expectancy. And that used to kill me. Like, you can't say that to a person. He's already you know, going through a difficult challenge. And then we met across this person on Instagram. So he has been raising an awesome awareness through his page. And, you know, he doesn't shy away from the fact that he has Down syndrome. And through that, he's he's even being um, modeling for some fashion brands and something. So I was like, this is a great person we can talk to. This is something nobody in a brown community or in South Asia talks about. We reached out to his family and just believe me, his family is so loving and wonderful. All his sisters talk about him. They love him to the core. So we had to talk about him. We had a chat. And then that's it. We just released it like yesterday night. And it's picking up views, but slowly and gradually we'll get there. That's cool. I, I follow uh, Madeline Stewart on on social media. So she's a, a model with Down syndrome in Australia. Um, and yeah, I mean, beauty... And sexuality, as we're talking about today, can come in all shapes and sizes. And I think it's super cool that you're raising awareness for that. So good on you, as it would say in Australia. Um, 
Uh, tonight, we are, uh, as we mentioned earlier, are talking about female sexuality. Mike, how excited are you to talk about this? You said it was one of your favorite topics. Uh, I did not know that. Uh, it's, it's not one of my favorite topics because I know enough. I don't really, you know, uh, it's not something I know a lot about or think about. Uh, but I'm very interested to, to learn tonight. Okay. I feel like that's been our last few episodes is that I (laughs) bombard you with things that I'm interested in. And And they all end up, they all end up being great. I end up learning a lot and, uh, you know, every guest we've had has been awesome. So, uh, Chris has some big shoes to fill. Uh, just no kidding. Pressure, Chris. Just kidding. No pressure. But yeah, this is this. I'm I'm very very eager to to learn and to see. You know, uh, myself I'm myself. Now, you know. I'm nervous. Will I be able to fit the bar? Oh, what if I don't? I'm just getting nervous. My hands are sweating. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just cut you out. Like, don't worry about it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. So okay, I wanted to first jump right into a tiktoker video i saw this week so i'm not like typically on tiktok um it was like one of those tiktoker things that i saw on instagram um but it's an interesting i think a good interesting segue into like kind of female sexuality and and this is very like it is an american culture that we're talking about but i don't think it's very different in other places and this particular tiktoker he's a teenage boy who has been and maybe maybe you guys have seen these videos he's been dressing similarly to his female uh, peers at in high school. And so they all go to school together in similar outfits. And he spends all day dancing, making TikToks, walking past administrators, all of this with his friends. And they all are female and they get written up for their attire. And he doesn't. And they're literally wearing the same thing. And that I think is like, what a perfect example when I I was watching this yesterday and like made a note to talk about it tonight, because like, what a perfect example of how absolutely sexualized women's bodies are and what absolute bullshit that video and that issue is. And in general, like female sexuality, it shouldn't matter if my shoulders are exposed and like that shouldn't be what my sexuality is defined by chris it looks already looks like you're ready to jump in so go for it yes and what i believe is nothing should matter if my shoulders are looking out if my bra strap is coming out nothing should matter as long as i'm not criminally committing a theft, I'm not killing someone, or I'm not hurting anyone emotionally. Again, emotionally means I'm not playing with their emotions. What I'm choosing to wear is not playing with somebody's emotions. This is my perspective of what I want to see in you. If I feel, Jess, your t-shirt is showing your cleavage, my mindset needs to take a dump, not yours. We are in the 21st century Yourself, myself, Mike, anyone has the freedom to wear. Well, obviously, we are all mature adults, right, Jess? We won't be out on the street wearing something that is morally, socially unacceptable. But again, in today's date and time, who sets the benchmark for morally, socially, ethically unacceptable? And why do the women always have to bear the brunt? Preach. Um, if I can just draw your example to something in the brown community, because that's where I come from, right? Mm-hmm. 
South Asia, another deep problem with uh, this is an ongoing issue. What women can, cannot, we are always subjected to judgment from people we don't know, right? Now, the other point, the other spectrum of women's sexuality is a woman is never asked what would she like to be treated as in bed or how would she be like to be treated at when it comes to sexual acts. We are never or seldom or rarely asked that question. It's always about the man's pleasure. It's always about the man getting what he wants. My question here is, what about the woman? Why does why does no one ask her, what do you want? How would you like to be treated? That is my question. And just, sorry if I'm going off the topic, but this is where I want to raise that awareness that of women's sexuality, not in terms of her just clothes and outfit, Everywhere it should be given importance and without judgment. That's what I feel. Hey, Mike. Mm-hmm. I, hmm. <laughs> I almost said something that might make you uncomfortable. No, go for it. Go for it. Go for it. I think silence is giving me um, creeps. Am I saying something that Mike is not liking? No, 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 no. I, I don't. I, I'm not going to speak for Mike. I don't think you are. No, I'm no, good. I'm I, good. I was going to say. So, I mean, I think you know. I've. I've had you know, sexual partners and otherwise in the past that appear to care. Um, but Mike, like, uh, do you have conversations like that in the past with your partners? Like, it, is it a, a, a dual agreement on what's happening in the bedroom and outside of the bedroom, right? Like, do you ever comment on if your wife wears something you're uncomfortable with? Or what is like your experience from a male perspective? From a from a, a white American male perspective, in terms of clothing, in terms of all of it, my friend. <laughs> uh, I don't really, you know, it's it's really it's it's really I don't really take it as my business. Uh, you know, people, I, I don't really, I'm not a big fashionable guy, as you can tell. Uh, so I, I, I'm not really, I've never really cared. I've never really cared. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, the only time I would make comments is if I think that I think someone's dressing like goofy or weird or like unmatching or clashing or wearing like, uh, like wrinkled clothes and looking like a bum, that kind of stuff. <laughs> but I don't think I would ever, you know, take it to that extent based on sexuality. Uh, yeah, I've never really, I've never really ventured down that path, you know? Okay. I, I, <laughs> I respect that. Um, do, have you had conversations with past romantic partners about ensuring mutual pleasure in the bedroom? Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure I have. I'm sure that's been a conversation. Definitely. Do you think, so Chris, do you think that and, and I know we're talking from very different perspectives, but do you find in Australia that maybe women say that they have more say in kind of their sexuality and, and both in and outside of the bedroom versus potentially in a culture that you're from? It's it's a very good question, Jess, 
because I've received mixed answers to that. People who've been born and brought up, again, it depends on the upbringing, right? If I've seen my parents being very open and liberal about these, obviously I wouldn't know about my parents' inner bedroom details, but it all depends on the upbringing. So I've received both set of responses. People who have been here, who have been raised here, they're very open, they're willing to talk about everything, they're willing to walk the talk as you mean it. But people like us who've migrated, who have always come from that suppressed community feeling that a woman is meant to serve, a woman should always be subservient. There you find more reports of women opening up about their incidents or their trauma. Like I've also heard women who are here, they've migrated, they've said that, you know, I've been, I was asleep. I wasn't even aware my partner or husband was sexually approaching me. I was asleep. I didn't even know it happened with me. And to me, it's not acceptable. That amounts to assault, if you like to say it that way. But uh, yeah. Right. So that is assault because if you don't ask your partner and if she or he is asleep, it's just taking advantage of that individual. And at this point, at this point, Jess, I would like to say when we talk about this back in our podcast, we make very sure that we approach this topic from a gender neutral point of view. Because if a woman can be assaulted, so can be a man. But sure. the percentage of a woman being judged on her sexuality or not even being questioned about her sexual pleasures is more apparent in our societies. That's what I've seen so far. So what kind of household, and and we'll go into, but like, what kind of household did you grow up in, Chris? Did you grow up in um, kind of more of that women are repressed kind of household? Or did you have parents who were maybe a little more open-minded and had those conversations with you? Yes, I've been brought up in a family which was half patriarch, half matriarch. So there were decisions where my father used to be the torchbearer. But when it came to me, it's always been my mom. So when it was me coming to Australia, it was my mom that you need to go overseas, explore the world, don't come back here because you've got more opportunities. Now, even when I'm an adult, I'm 34, I go out, whatever partners I've had before, I have the freedom to talk to my parents about anything and everything, right? There's nothing that's hidden from them because that's kind of a bringing that I've had. If I can't be open with my own parents, who do I become open to? So I don't, I don't think I've seen any kind of repressed or don't hush hush topics being discussed. We've been pretty old, but my parents did have the boundaries when I was in school, and I understand that because that was my growing up period. Now that I'm by myself, it's all right. I share yeah. everything. We have a very open relationship like that. So I have to tell you guys. So you know, sex, and particularly for me as a, as a girl, was not something that was discussed much. I was very, I not, I don't want to say repressed, but I was, I was very much like told to, you know, don't sit like that and ladies don't do that and that kind of thing. And then when I was, when I was a freshman in high school, I was 14 years old. There was a girl in my Spanish class who I sat next to who told me at some point in class, like, it's not like I had asked, but it told me at some point in class that she was having sex with her boyfriend. And I thought that was so cool. Oh my God. I thought that was so cool. I was like, Oh my God, this <laughs> girl having sex with her boyfriend. Was what grade like, was oh. this? I was a freshman. She would have been a sophomore. So she was 14 and 15 years old. And she just straight up told you this in class. 
Yeah, she sure did. So I went home and like, that was the first time I'd ever heard of anyone telling me they'd had sex. And yeah, again, I grew up pretty sheltered. You know, my, my parents didn't talk about sex, whatever. And I made the mistake of telling my blabbered mouth 12 year old brother that this girl told this to me in Spanish class. So we're sitting, let me, okay, pausing that story for a second. I'm going to add that my stepmom got pregnant at 15, gave the baby up for adoption, later became married, had my brother, etc. So there was always like an underlying, oh, you're going to mess up and get pregnant kind of vibe in my house. So we're sitting at the dinner table sometime after that. And my brother announces at the dinner table that my best friend, are the words he used, my best friend, not the girl in Spanish class who I didn't even know, my best friend was having sex. And oh my God, it was a complete and utter nightmare in my house from that moment on. My stepmom flipped out, started screaming that I was going to get pregnant. And then she just like gets all flustered and she goes, they're going to get AIDS and have a baby. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And that is where the expression in my household, AIDS and babies came Mm. from, comes from. So... To this day, if something happens, like now we're all adults and it's funny, but like at the, you know, at at the time it was not funny, but to this day, if something happens that like we can't explain or we don't want to talk about it or whatever, we go, "Eh, you know, AIDS and babies. Like, it's just like, it's become this blanket expression in my house. But that is like, that is the level of repression and thought that happened in my house growing up. I was a late bloomer, if that isn't an indicator. Whereas you have my my brother, my youngest brother, not the one who squawked on me that day, but our youngest brother is 17, maybe 18 soon. Kid's been having sex for years. Openly talks about having sex. Openly talks about drinking and smoking. At 17, he's still in high school. And I'm like, excuse me. Excuse me, I have a question. I talked about a friend, a girl in Spanish class having sex and was literally punished until I moved out of the house. And this kid is walking around, dick out, flopping around in all sorts of girls. Nothing. No punishment. Nothing. It's just like, oh, you using condoms? He's like, no. Okay. Like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> so anyways, that is my experience with, with my own past of growing up i have to say something sorry i keep cutting you short no please you're you're fine this is a conversation at least your brother is using protection no he's not no i'm saying he's he's not not. he's not he's He's not not. that's that's another thing that worries me that in south asia if you tell a man that can you please put on protection it hurts his ego and that's the funniest thing i've heard no offense to anyone but People need to come from a basic level of understanding that this is for both of your welfare. This is so that nobody lands into anything stupid. And more importantly, when this discussion is happening in a married household, people tend to forget that a woman is not only a baby-making machine. She is an individual. She has equal amount of right to enjoy herself from the act as much as you do. 
So just putting on a method of protecting both of you from something that you've not planned for doesn't really harm. This is such a hard-hitting topic in a brown household as I can't tell you or probably explain it to you in words. Men find it that this hurts their ego when a woman tells them to wear protection. I don't understand, but this has to be discussed out in the open, how important this is. I agree. Mike, I'm going to come back to you for a second, and I'll Mm -hmm. try not to embarrass you too much. Uh, Taking a break from the female sexuality topic, did your parents ever have the sex talk with you? Or was it just kind of assumed? Oh, no. Never, never had it. Nope. Okay. Did your parents... Oh, boy. We're crossing (laughs) so many lines tonight. We'll see how this goes. It's cool. Did your parents ever talk to you about masturbation? Nope. Yeah, mine didn't either. (laughs) Mine didn't either. Nope. Just figured it out myself. Yeah. So (laughs) what what about you, Chris? Was was the sex talk ever happened or any sort of like your own pleasure conversations ever happened? The pleasure thing didn't happen. The pleasure thing obviously didn't happen, but the sex talk happened once I moved out of home, once I moved out from out for college, then they realized this is something that's needed. And on this note, um, one topic that I struggle with my parents is mental health. For some reason, it's difficult for them to comprehend that mental health is become important. It needs to be given due diligence and uh, relevance. So that's an ongoing conversation I'm having with my folks back home even now. A lot of progress has to be done. They've walked the talk for a bit, but yes, that's one topic they don't seem to understand at all. I mean, yeah, that's a topic that I think a lot of people don't understand. That could be a whole other episode about mental health. Actually, maybe Mike. That's a good topic. We should pull on a mental health professional sometime. And I talk like about it. it. I like it. Um, yeah, I never had the, you know, again, it was keep your legs closed, AIDS and babies. Um, and it take, it's taken me a long time. I mean, I was actually just talking to my partner recently that I, you know, I'm, I'm 29. Um, and I feel like over the last, honestly, over the last year, like since COVID started, when I had a lot of time to reflect like we all did sitting in our homes doing nothing. Um, you know, I finally, for the first time, feel like I've kind of found my voice as a female, as a, like a, as a, in, in my sexual life, I feel like I've found a voice, but it's taken, you know, it's like taken 29 years to find it. And, and I was like, I said, late bloomer, like it was not something we talked about, you know, like, I, and it, it, 29 is pretty young. To find your voice, you think? 29 is really, really young. It really is. Well, when did I'm you 34, find your voice? so I'm not like that much that, that farther. But, uh, I still haven't found my voice. You don't <laughs> what think do you so? mean, what, what, Define find your voice. I don't know. I mean, I feel like I finally like am comfortable with who I am. And, and, and I can tell people what I want and what I don't want. And, you know, I, I and that, not just like with sex, but like in life. Yeah. Mm. You don't think you're there yet, Mike? No, I, I, I didn't know what you meant. Uh, I don't know. I never really thought about it that way. Um, but for you, I wouldn't say that that's late. I think that's just you and your own personal journey. I think twenty in the whole scheme of things, 29, like, like you're still dating. You're still in a relationship. You're dating. You're not like past that point. You're not having kids. 29 is, is very, very young. So I don't think that's a late bloomer at all. 
I think that's a very good thing. I think that's a very positive thing that you uh, did it at this age. I agree. I agree with Mike. It's see, whenever- see, the professional agrees. It's <laughs> okay. not finding your own calling because I, up until 26, 27, I was, you know, um, our communities come from the mindset that, oh, you have to be very good in your professional life. You have to ace this, that, blah, blah, blah. So up until 26, 27, I was busy with my PhD. I had no idea of what I actually wanted to do. I found my own calling probably after that. So it's just when you find your calling, when the calling comes to you, nothing is early, nothing is late. Wow. I feel like I'm in therapy again. That's how I felt last week with our last session too. Um, if you don't, uh, I mean, we're, um, you know what, fuck it. I'm taking it there. Um, Chris, I, if you don't mind me asking, how old were you when you lost your virginity? I still um, haven't lost it. Just unfortunately. No. Indian conditioning that you got to save it up until you get married. I still haven't been able to come out of that mindset. I'm trying, but it takes its own while to get out of that steeped mindset that's been forced into you. Absolutely. Born and raised in that community. But I've had relationships. We have explored things, but just not there yet. Okay. How do you how do you feel about the fact that you are trying to escape that mindset? Like what not escape because that's that's a net has a negative connotation. But how yeah, how does how does that make you feel? I'll just ask that question instead. It's difficult, yes. Obviously, it's difficult because it's not about that I'm worried about peer pressure, but it's about something to do with my own self. And I don't quite believe the fact that why should I keep waiting till the point that I get married and why is that person kept on a pedestal? But again, blame it on the mindset. It's just so deeply ingrained that even after eight years living overseas, I haven't been able to come out of it. It's taking its own time, but I feel bad. Sometimes I'm angry that this mindset shouldn't be forced into women. And that is the whole reason I talk about these difficult topics so that any teenager listening to me obviously doesn't get the wrong message that go have it whenever you feel like, but be safe. But choose to be who you are. Don't don't just get bowed down under these age-old mindsets. So I feel bad about it. But yeah, I'm trying. Work in progress. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a part of who you are and that, that mindset that you are working to grow from. Like, don't feel bad about it. It's just who you are. It's where you came from. You know, it makes you a part of who you are. That's okay, too. You know, there's no, as you said, there's no. No, Jess, I feel bad about these age-old mindsets that still surround us in the 21st century, right? I feel bad about that. And I feel bad that even in today's date and time, marriage is considered so holy that your husband, the male counterpart, is that divine presence in your life for which you just save yourself he kind of redeems you. There's this redemption happening. That is what irks me. Marriage, no one even now thinks about an equality factor in marriage. It's always the man who's treated as the higher. That makes me feel bad. That What am I then? Am I just meant to be as the subservient partner, just to please him, to give him the children, look after him, that's it? My education, my existence gets redeemed this iota fraction in front of that male partner so that's what makes me feel bad i'm very proud of the way i am these things just kind of bow me down sometimes that's it i gotcha thank you for clarifying 
Yeah, I... I didn't necessarily grow up in a household that, like, expected me to wait until marriage. Um, But it's interesting to hear, like, I think we are coming from very, very different cultures, um, which is which is interesting. It's what it's what makes podcast listing interesting Um, and and especially interesting to me that you are, you know, a, a woman in her 30s kind of still combating some of that like i i would think you know it's like okay yeah you you live in a in a westernized society you know you've been there for a long time um and that these are still things that you know you have to work out and that things that are like as you said like the 21st century still happening in every part of the planet right like it's not just southeast asia you know i have friends who they got married very young because of the restriction behind being a virgin when you marry and they didn't want to have to wait. Um, you know, so they got married really early in life, which ultimately I don't think ends up working in anybody's favor. Um, but I, to your point, like that, it doesn't, it's interesting that the female sexuality or, or the, the desire to have a virgin bride or, or to be pure when you married on both sides of the spectrum, right. Men and women, um, or anything in between, you know, that, that it still exists in the 21st century. I agree. I think that's incredibly interesting or unfortunate, I guess. Yes. Mike, did you, did you wait until marriage? No, no, I did not. Did your parents ever, did your parents ever talk about like wanting that for you? No, Okay. (laughs) never a discussion, never, you know, just a typical, just like you said before, just an average dude's life. Just never really, <laughs> never really thought about it. Never, you know, never went super crazy. It's always a, always a classy dude. Uh, never went overboard. Never. What does got, this mean? You're a classy dude who never went overboard. What on earth does that mean? Like never like, you know, you're, we're, you're talking, we're, we're talking, you know, based on the, the relative, re- relativity of this conversation. Never like you were talking about waiting for marriage, but it was never like a, like a huge thing that I always thought about or always pursued, you know, it was just, you know, a lot of relationships and it wasn't anything like I was like, you know, doing all the time. Did you ever have any female friends in high school or college that expressed like waiting? And I, I don't mean like romantic friends, just any kind of female friend that expressed like any sort of pressure about having to wait until marriage or anything like that. Um, I don't think so. I don't, that, that does not sound familiar to me. No. Okay. I think I'm just so irresistible. Oh boy. <laughs> Um, I'm just kidding, of course. I'm just kidding. It's interesting because I'm only seeing uh, listeners. We have we're on Zoom tonight instead of Google Meets. We've moved up in the world, and Mike's computer's been freezing. Every so time just, I turn my camera on, you yeah. got your both of your screens freeze. Yep. So Chris so, has been frozen for me for like a solid five to ten minutes, and then I just see your picture. So I'm just like talking to. You an still abyss. see my picture now? No, 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 not anymore. All right, but. Anyways, um, so these these questions are even stranger when it's just a bunch of blank screens. Yes, um, true strangers. Yeah, true strangers. Um, yeah, I had a friend in, and I, I mean, if she does listen to this podcast, she may or may not know this is her, but I had a friend in high school um, 
whose religion she was very uh, devout. Um, and she had a, you know, strong desire to wait until marriage. And I think she may have been engaged or dating her now husband when her and I went to dinner one night and we were talking about, you know, because I, I also did not wait until marriage. I'm not married. I haven't waited. Um, and you know, she, she was, we were talking about, I was like, so do you two like do anything? She was like, no. She's like, just like, we like kiss or make out sometimes. So like, that's it. And I was like, so you're like truly waiting till marriage. She's like, yeah. And I said, oh, okay. Well, but like you masturbate, right? And she was like, no. And I was like, really? And then she said something that has stuck with me for years. She said, I said, so how are you? Because at the time, like we were really young. I had never done any of that. I was with a boyfriend who didn't know what he was doing. It was a whole mess. And I was like, so how do you like when you do get married how is he going to know how to how to please you how are you going to have like a pleasurable experience with him and she was like oh but well like that's my husband's job and i was like what is she was like like for it to be like a mutually pleasurable experience and i said but you don't know what you like so how is he going to know what you like she's like no 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 like that that's for him to decide. And I was like, huh? Like I, I remember, I remember where we were sitting in the restaurant and what restaurant we were at for me to just like, my mouth just like hung open. I was like, ah, it doesn't work like that. And I said, well, he masturbates. Right. And she was like, no. And I'm like, he is 23 years old. He masturbates. And she's Mm -hmm. like, Oh, he doesn't. I'm like, yes, he does. Yes, he does. He He sure does. And she was like, no, he doesn't like, that's, that's not like what we do. And I'm like, he does. And you should too, for when you get married and y'all know what to do, (laughs) you know what to do. And yeah, I mean, it was just like the, the going back to like her sexuality, like she wasn't even encouraged to even remotely, not only like kind of process her own sexuality, but she was so in denial that her spouse or her partner had his own sexual identity in that way and his own sexuality and it was it was one of the most interesting conversations I've ever had with somebody because I was I just sat there just in complete awe of how ridiculous I thought it all sounded and how bad I felt for her. I'm like her wedding night must have been horrible. And they've been married for a long time now, so hopefully they've got it down, but like damn. That's a lot. Okay, I've been talking for a long time. And Chris, I know you're there, but your screen is frozen, so feel free to jump in at any point. Yeah. Um, all I'm saying is there are a lot of aspects to the story that you just, I know this has been a real time experience. You had a chat with her in the restaurant and probably that lady wasn't aware. She was in denial, but there are two things. One is religion. I, I think there are a few religious cults or groups where masturbation before marriage is not allowed or is not favored. Right. And the other thing is you mentioned that they've been married for a long time, but you don't know what's happening behind closed doors. Are they happily married? Is it just a transaction that's going on? Oh, you've got married, just just chuck it. Let's keep going with everyday schedule. The question is, how are you in the marriage? Is it a loveless marriage? Or is it a marriage with amounts of love thrown in it? Or you're just there for the sake of society, family, kids, etc. So a lot of things need to be discussed when we look at these kind of marriage. We may think that, oh, 
that's a perfectly happy couple, but behind closed doors, it's a whole different ball game going on altogether. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? Mike, can I ask you a question? Please um, do. And you're kind of, I don't want you to necessarily answer on behalf of your wife, but out of curiosity, if you guys have talked about it, does she feel that her body or sexuality is different after having a baby? Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, probably. Probably, yeah. I, I would, yeah. I would say yeah, because... You know, different things get used for different things. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, probably, I would say, I would say, yeah. That's not. That's not. Uh, you know, I. I don't think it, I can personally answer that question. Uh, right. But I would certainly assume so. Should have had your wife on tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Although she's not a stranger for you. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Got to keep it. Got to keep the theme going. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I often do wonder um, how sexuality changes with pregnancy. Or, I mean, I'm jealous of those women who, like, again, I don't have any kids, but, you know, you see on uh, on the internet, essentially, the, the women who are, like, really horny during pregnancy. And I'm like, really? Like, you feel sexy? <laughs> really? Have you seen yourself? Like, really? What we need to consider is the perception of sexuality that gets altered when a woman is pregnant. That's true. Because I've heard and I've met, I've talked to women who say that our husbands lost interest in us after we had the child because obviously there have been body changes, blah, 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 and whatnot. So the perception gets altered. Why should the sexuality perception be only limited to a woman with an hourglass figure? A woman who's your partner still deserves love. You deserve love. So that communication changes when you throw in an altered uh, perception that sec- I feel sexually attracted to a curved figure, it's not something that she has given birth to your child. So at least for that sake, that takes a while. Pregnancy is a whole, whole different difficult topic. A woman goes through so many changes. Now, when you throw in that extra burden that you have to get back to your shape within minutes of having a kid out, you're not you're not doing justice to anybody in the relationship. And how about those men? And I'm sorry to man bash here because I really try not to. But mm. those men who cheat on their wives after they have a baby because they complain they're not getting it. Like, excuse me. I just pushed a human out of the hole that you want to play with. Who does that? Who did that? People. So men. People do that. Really? And it's disgusting. Yes. You know of people who have done that? Not personally, but I read it on the internet. <laughs> that sounds like something. I like to believe that that does, that does not happen. Mike. I mean, well, if we think about how many people are in the world, it happens. Like, I mean, some people eat human heads. That happens, too. Like, it happens. That's just that's just wild. I think it's incredibly disrespectful. It's incredibly disrespectful. This is just taking to me. It's just taking advantage of the scenario. Oh, my wife is busy breastfeeding the child, nappy duties. Nobody's looking after my special needs. I need that respite, so I'm just getting out of the room, hitting onto some matrimony dating websites, whatever they are, and I'm getting to fill my own 
appetite. Whereas my partner is just going through postpartum. Nobody cares. My partner doesn't have least bit of freedom time in her hand. Nobody cares. This is just selfish to say the least. I agree. That's wild. But I'm not trying to man bash. Mike, I'm sure you have stayed faithful to your wife. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Good answer. Yeah. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's, that, I, that's, that's wild. That's, you know, that's pretty, uh, you know, I guess there are a lot of, uh, a lot of people in the world that just take this stuff really seriously, you know? Wait, take what stuff seriously? Their urges, ah, I guess. Oh, okay. Is that the way to say it? Sure. There you go. I like how, um, how PC you're being tonight, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've, I've hit your limit. Which hey, I have a lot noted. of, I have a lot of synonyms. I'm big Do on you? synonyms. Yeah. So I'm, okay. you know, I'm using my PC synonyms. Okay. Okay. I'll help you out with the non PC cinnamon, cinnamon, cinnamon. All right. Yeah, let's do just, just a whole bunch of cinnamon and nutmeg. Yeah. Let's, tra- um, let's transition to condiments. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a con? <sighs> That's a spice. That's true. Yeah. Um, Chris, I think this has been a lovely conversation. I appreciate your perspective um, and, and everything that you've contributed here tonight. I think this is a good, my, my spices comment is a good place to end. Um, if you, if you want to take a minute to tell our listeners what the name of your podcast is and how they can find you on social media. I mean, I'll tag you, but please take a minute to just plug yourself. Oh, and thank you for that, Jess. So anybody wanting to reach us out on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram can reach us by the name of Coconut Chats. That's how we are known as. And we are fairly new on Instagram, but you'll find all our episodes on YouTube and Facebook. Reach us out and give us a listen. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, listeners. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you.